Hello, and welcome to the Cultivating Confidence podcast. I am your host, Dr. Nicole Grams. I am a life coach who specializes in anxiety, health, and human design. And I also happen to be a functional medicine pharmacist. This podcast is a compilation of conversations that I've had with clients and colleagues. So listen in as we explore the mind, body, and soul's confidence in its many forms. Today we are talking about secondhand anxiety and I didn't realize other people, I mean, this was obviously a thought that I had that occurred to me and I thought it was so genius and turns out other people have called it that too. But anyway, (laughs) the concept of secondhand anxiety seems self-explanatory once you look at the term. So it's somebody else has anxiety you kind of catch anxiety from them. Um, In my specific instance, it's having a friend or a family member or, you know, somebody close to you, maybe a coworker, somebody around you that has anxiety that you are aware of. And you kind of, well, at least I kind of start to think about, oh gosh, I'm going to be around that person. I have to make sure that this, this, this are okay. Like whether the parking's okay or some project has to be finished in time or make sure that there's pens at the desk, whatever it is, you know, that the other person will likely have anxiety based on the past experiences you've had with them, the encounters with them. And you start to think about what they're going to be thinking about. And then you start to get anxious about making sure everything is perfect. Right. And I know, I noticed this about myself because I used to be the person that was just anxious about everything. And now that I am not, I get clued in very quickly when I'm catching anxiety from somebody else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other people have defined it as um, the feeling of anxiety that one experiences as a result of being around or the anticipation of being around someone else who is anxious or stressed. And it can be experienced by anybody, even those who are not prone to anxiety at like myself or stress. Um, but it's really just, you, some people might call it empathy or a feeling having like open emotional centers and being an empath, that sort of thing. That's not quite what I mean by this. What I mean by the secondhand anxiety is kind of how I described it as Somebody else around you is anxious. You start thinking about them and trying to make sure that you make everything right so that they're not going, they're going to have the least amount of anxiety as possible. Right. Um, I think this particular topic is often overlooked. It might be misunderstood. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, I guess I kind of gave my examples already of being around, like anticipating being around somebody who is going to be stressed about something and trying to, trying to control the universe to make sure that they're not right. So there is a physical and emotional impact of this, because obviously when you start to get in that space, you start getting all amped up, you get tension in your body, you start having symptoms of anxiety yourself. Right. And nobody loves that. Then we start to buffer. We start to try to avoid feeling this way. And it just becomes a big mess because (laughs) we're all trying to control things that we can't control. Right. It's, I think it's important because especially for those of us who have dealt with our own stuff, we don't want to have to take on stuff from other people. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> we want to just live our lives and let other people deal with their own emotions. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later, but yeah, so there are different causes of the secondhand anxiety, um, social contagion being one of them. So anxiety can be contagious, especially in group settings. And this is a little bit different than how I defined it before, but it's sort of like, if you're in a crowd and there's somebody who's paranoid and looking all over the place, and then other people start to notice that they're looking all over the place and they're nervous. And then everybody gets nervous. And it's just sort of a social contagion, like I said, um, but it creates this feedback loop because then everybody who's nervous in the group feeds more into that. And it just becomes this big issue <laughs> nobody's having a good time. <laughs> um, there's empathy, like I said, so naturally feeling the emotions of those around us. And if someone near us is anxious, we pick up on that through our empathetic responses. Um, there's shared experiences. So people who have had similar experiences with anxiety, like myself, um, who are more, more prone to experiencing secondhand anxiety around those because we're like, oh, I know how that feels. I have to also feel that way. So maybe they don't feel bad in some sort of twisted, <laughs> like they're not alone in their anxiety, right? But there's people-pleasing attributes that come into play here too. And I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot tonight, but it's you know, wanting to make sure that the other person doesn't have negative emotions. Right. And that's exactly where people pleasing comes or like making sure that people like you, um, or they don't have anything bad to say about you. And when you are constantly seeking approval from or validation from other people, then you try to make sure that they feel good so that whenever they're around you, they have a good experience and they have good things to say about you right? It's manipulative <laughs> and it's not helpful for anybody because you're not being your true self. You're too concerned about what other people are thinking and feeling and doing. Right. And then, you know, if, if somebody become, if somebody becomes anxious in the whole situation, then you just start to blame yourself for not fixing something, you know, like there's this whole, whole thing that's going on. It's a whole cycle of trying to anticipate the needs and the expectations of everyone around us and feeling responsible for their emotions, even if they're not directly related to anything you're doing. Right. So I think the, when I, when I came across somebody talking about, you know, feeling responsible for other people's emotions, that's where it kind of hit me as that's a, that's again, the, um, the manipulative part of, I don't trust this other person to be able to handle their own emotions. So I'm going to try to change how I'm behaving, what I'm doing, how I'm creating the circumstances around us in order for them to not feel a specific way, right? You're not allowed to feel that way around me. I don't want you to feel that way around me. So therefore I'm going to act in a way that maybe isn't genuine to me in order for you to think of me in a certain way, in order for you to feel a certain way, right? And there's a lot of societal pressure and expectations that can get all wrapped into this because we want to make sure that our bosses are happy, our parents are happy, our kids are happy, our friends are happy. We want to make sure that everyone around us is happy and not worry about ourselves until the very end. So we end up being beaten down by ourselves instead of allowing other people to just feel however they feel about a thing, right? <laughs> personal relationships are also in there. So I, I didn't say spouses, but that's a huge one spouses and uh, romantic partners and 
even just close friendships have this dynamic of, you know, oh my gosh, what is my spouse going to say when they get home? If they notice that I didn't clean up the kitchen, this is, this is a common one for me and it's completely irrational. He doesn't care. (laughs) I have confirmed this with him multiple times and it's not a big deal if I haven't cleaned everything up, but it's been like programmed in me that if it's, if things aren't a certain way, then I'm in trouble, but I'm the only one beating me up about it, (laughs) but it's still anyway. (laughs) So common symptoms of secondhand anxiety are the same as anxiety themselves, including the physical and emotional responses. So heart rate increases, rapid breathing, you get sweaty, you get clammy, you feel tense, you feel irritable. Your shoulders are just like up to your ears because you're so tense, right? Um, you're not able to focus on one thing. You're kind of like looking around, okay, what's wrong? I got to do this. And then you end up setting something down and going like the squirrel brain, shiny, shiny object syndrome, the SOS, right. Of, okay. Oh, what was I doing? I forgot. What did I walk into this room for? I don't remember. You can't concentrate on what you're doing and you're not productive. Right. You also might avoid situations or people that might trigger the anxiety. So you might end up saying, oh, well, friend who has anxiety. I just don't want to be around you anymore because I get super anxious when I'm around you. So like you end up losing the relationship that you had at whatever level it was, if you're trying to avoid feeling anxiety yourself. So how to differentiate your own stuff from other people's mental health stuff can be challenging, but what is most beneficial is noticing what you're thinking along the way. So a lot of times when it's my own anxiety that I'm feeling, it's, you know, what am I not doing that I think I should be doing? What is brain telling me about my circumstance that I want versus like, oh my gosh, what is this other person going to think? And like really differentiating that and discerning that in your brain can tell you whether this is my stuff that I'm dealing with, or is this something that I can just allow other people to feel however they feel. Right. And I notice it sometimes with how I speak, because I I just thought of this because like when I'm at work, I have work friends that we have, you know, we're friends and we've hung out outside and we have a certain way of speaking to each other. And sometimes we're quite rude to each other. <laughs> we, we give playful insults and good hearted, you know, just, we, we have a good time together, but then like, I notice when maybe there's a new person hanging around with us, I will not act that way in front of that new person, you know, so as not to, cause them discomfort. And sometimes that's just a discernment. Like, I don't know what you're comfortable with or whatever, but sometimes it's a, oh, I don't want to say this thing because this person might think something poorly of me. Right. So I feel like that's almost a secondhand anxiety as well. Um, but yeah, there's lots of things that can trigger that, but make sure that you are looking in your own thoughts and really kind of digging into, okay, is it me or am I projecting in future anxiety on something, somebody else? Um, if it's a crowd situation, am I safe? Am I missing? Th- and it's completely normal if you're in a crowd to kind of become part of the energy of the crowd. And, you know, obviously if somebody's looking around, there might be certain situations where you can't necessarily predict what's going on. 
And if other people are feeling unsafe, it's natural for you to try to look to other people to see how to act. And also, can you remove yourself from the situation? Is it a threat that you're actually concerned about? You know, there's any number of things that can happen, but maybe it's just, you know, one person over there that is having a bad time because something was going on. I don't know. But then, you know, you kind of have to be able to tell, okay, am I concerned for my own safety? That might be a real reason, like a valid reason why you would have anxiety. That's part of what helps save your life in some situations. So how do you cope with it? I, I already mentioned, you know, being aware of your thoughts. Is it thoughts that it, are, are the thoughts that you're having about somebody else, like primarily concerned about somebody else and how they're thinking, or is it my own stuff that I'm dealing with? Because the, you might be able to cope this in similar manners, but just being able to discern where those thoughts are being directed is helpful to just say, okay, this is where we're at. I'm worrying about somebody else's stuff. Maybe it's easier for you to let that go if it's somebody else's stuff, right? Um, you have to be okay feeling discomfort as well. Allowing your own feelings without resistance. I, I talk about this all the time and it is one of the most important things you can do because I used to shame myself so bad for feeling anxious. <laughs> Trust me, it does not help. <laughs> so allowing your own discomfort to be there. Um, a small example of this that I'm not sure how to do it in this format, but when I'm in yoga and we're standing, we're doing balancing things. There are times when my teacher has us like stand up on our tiptoes for a much longer time period than I am comfortable with. But then when we come down, there is some discomfort in my ankles, in my calves, in, you know, the effort that it took to stay up in this balancing pose. And when you come down, she suggests to stay in stillness and just feel the discomfort that's happening instead of trying to shake it out. Cause a lot of times we do something strenuous and then we're like, Oh, got to shake it out, you know, whatever, but try to just leave it, try to be okay with what you're feeling in your body. Right. Mindfulness is a part of it as well. So just becoming more aware of your thoughts and emotions, that is also a key to being, being able to allow your own feelings. So you can better, you can learn how to better manage your emotions and respond to anxiety in a much more calm and rational way. Because if we get stuck in this loop, right, then we're in our emotional brain. We don't, we react quickly. We react emotionally and we don't take time to kind of become the person that we want to be in response to circumstances around us. Because when we take time and really get into our prefrontal cortex, our adult brain, that's where we're able to rationalize, oh, well, you know, this crowd situation, I don't think there's any threat. I think some kid was just screaming and people got nervous about the kid. I'm not nervous about the kid. I don't know. Um, or, you know what? I think it's my friend, the potential for my friend to have these certain emotions. I'm going to allow them to have their emotions from my rational brain. And yeah, I'm, I might still feel uncomfortable if they are uncomfortable and that's okay. Right. I'm going to learn how to take care of myself and I'm going to let other people take care of themselves. Um, trust other people to be able to deal with their emotions. That's basically what I just said. Trusting that you can handle yourself. You know what coping mechanisms work best for you. 
I'm not going to try to manipulate the situation in order to make sure that you feel a certain way. Not that I'm not going to consider what other people might think, right? I'm not just going to go, <laughs> go off on crazy, you know, offensive rants and expect everybody to just be able to handle their emotions about that. No, I'm going to be considerate of people. I'm not going to try to control other people, right? There's a difference there. Um, practicing self-care. So taking time to relax, taking time to reduce your own stress, meditating, exercise, spending time in nature, grounding, taking your shoes off outside, wiggling your toes in the grass, right? That can be very, very helpful to reset. Well, maybe not reset, but calm down your central nervous system. And that's all we're doing when we are in a heightened state of, you know, negative emotion, our nervous system is kind of dysregulated, right? So it just is elevated and it's okay to be elevated for a bit. We got to allow that to be there because we have to be honest with where we're at before we can really learn to calm it down in a helpful sort of way and not turning to, you know, scrolling on social media, not turning to alcohol or food or, you know, gambling or whatever it is to escape. Like we want to be able to process our own emotions in the, through the whole thing, right? Um, practicing self-care. That's what I just said. <laughs> Learning to prioritize your own needs and feelings and setting boundaries. So prioritizing your own needs and feelings, that is where, okay, I'm going to do what I think is best here. And I am going to let other people respond how they will respond. I think I'm being respectful. I think I'm covering my, I'm going taking care of myself. I am, uh, fill, what was the, there was a phrase or a comparison that I found recently. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to think of it in this moment. Um, but yeah, so prioritizing your own needs and feelings for, I guess, first of all, you have to know what your own needs and feelings are. So again, go back, going back to mindfulness, being completely honest with yourself. What do I need in this situation and setting boundaries in relationships that is okay. If you continue to blank, I will blank, right? This isn't about trying to control the other person. It's about what am I going to do if nothing changes or what am I going to do if this certain situation happens, right? So setting boundaries in, and one of those boundaries could be, you know what? I get very anxious when you're around and I might want to find a better way to phrase it, but I get very anxious when you're around and I'm going to stay home instead you know, I'm going to spend less time with you. I'm going to spend, you know, specific amounts of time in specific ways. Like those can all be boundaries that you choose to have, but just be very intentional about what you're doing. Know why you are making those, setting those boundaries and know when you're willing to bend those, but respect yourself enough to hold them. Um, let's see. So, okay. Did I put an example here? Yeah, kind of what I just said. So the importance of setting boundaries, if you are around someone who is consistently anxious or stressed, it may be helpful to set boundaries around how much time you spend with them or how much you allow their anxiety to affect you. And that's a little bit different than what I said, but how much you allow their anxiety to affect you is, is a classic, you know, friend, spouse, coworker has anxiety you are not, you have the choice to allow that to affect you to a certain extent or not, right? I'm going to consider their needs. And if it's not something that I think is outrageous, 
I will change how I'm acting or what I'm saying or that sort of thing. Or if they have asked me to say something in a certain way, I will try to honor that request, right? But beyond that, I'm going to let them feel what they feel and I am going to stay in my own feelings instead. Um, people pleasers may also struggle with setting boundaries or saying no. So that can lead to increased stress and anxiety and taking on way more than you can handle. So again, the people pleasing stuff has got to go. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a people pleaser, even though we think that it's being super helpful and, you know, making everybody feel good around us, except it ignores how you are feeling yourself. So it's okay if you're feeling anxious even if it is from somebody else, but make sure that you are being intentional and being mindful about how you're going about your day. Um, all right. What else? Seeking professional help. Um, if anxiety is interfering in your daily life might be good to seek out a mental health professional or a coach or a therapist or somebody or a trusted friend who can help you get through what you need to get through. And if you have not found somebody that really clicks with you and are like, it was a bad experience, please don't give up. Um, there's a lot of people I know that have sworn off of therapists because they had a bad experience. I promise you not every provider is for everyone. Even when I take on clients and patients, like I am not the right person to help with everybody. So it's okay to quote unquote, fire your therapist and find somebody new. You might be able to call ahead of time and say, Hey, can I have a meet and greet call? And maybe just a quick little 15 minute introduction. So you can at least talk to them and see if you get along with that person, if you agree with their thoughts and their approach on things. Right. Um, let's see. And I guess you can also suggest the anxious people around you to get help as well. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. It saved my life many times over. So um, in conclusion, secondhand anxiety is something that uh, can be optional, I guess, depending on boundaries that you have and how you want to act and respond to things. Um, like I said, it is always your choice of what you try to control and what you don't, but just be intentional and know that you're, know what you're doing going into it. Right. And if you could use any help sorting any of this out, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I would be happy to help anybody try to figure it out or try to find somebody who can help. Thank you for taking the time to listen in today. Many of you will be able to take the ideas that you've heard and apply them in your daily life. And that's really all you need. That's amazing. But for those of you who could use a little one-on-one -on -one help with how to make these things actually work for you in your real life, please reach out. The link to schedule a consult with me is in the show notes. You don't have to do this alone. See you soon.